Well, what a good God we serve. Amen? Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Did you come to receive today? Amen. What happens when you come to receive? You receive. You actually go home with something. Praise the Lord. I mean, if you come to church, you might as well go home with something. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so um, we have over the last few weeks especially been talking about, um, you know, walking in the life of God that we're called to walk in. It's kind of been twofold. Uh, we have uh, talking about the life of God and at the same time dealing with, um, you know, walking in resistance of the enemy because the enemy has come to take that life from you. Somehow mess it up. Somehow mess up your day. Somehow create some kind of havoc throughout your day to, uh, to just, you know, just to somehow steal in some area of your life that just takes away from the life of God that you're called to. And so what we've been doing, uh, we have been coming out of uh, our opening verse has been John 10.10, the common verse that Jesus said. Now, there's a whole lot more going on in John 10.10 and things that we have studied before and taught on. But the basic bottom uh, thing that we're dealing with is the fact that uh, the thief, there's a thief and then there's Jesus. Come on now. And the thief uh, does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. That's what he does. Jesus said, but I've come, right, that they may have life. I mean, like the life thing, amen, and that they may have it more abundantly, praise God, amen, mean an abundant life. Paul called it the life of God, amen, hallelujah. And so, uh, you know, Paul even brings out in Ephesians 4 that that life of God, uh, you know, that you could could be a a non-participant of that life of God, alienated from the life of God, it says. And all based on the enemy comes in and convinces you one way or another. And then all along, you know, you're missing out of what's yours. So Jesus said, there's a thief to come that comes to take. But I've come to give life. Amen. Amen. So uh, let's look at just a, some translations here real quick. We'll kind of run through them. That's what we've done every week here for the last few weeks. Uh, this is the Amplified. It says this, the thief comes only in order to steal. He ain't never going to be your friend. The thief ain't, didn't come here to, to, you know, pal around with you. You know, somebody says, someday I'm going to go party with him. Yeah, you ain't going to be partying, I'll guarantee you that. There ain't nothing about the thief that's good because his only mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that they may have and enjoy life. That's why I like that Amplified. It says you can actually enjoy this life, praise God. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, uh, let's put a smile on that face, praise the Lord. You ought to enjoy this life. If you're not enjoying it, something's wrong. Ah, something's wrong. And have it in abundance, I love this, to the full till it overflows. Hallelujah. Abundant, overflowing a life, Zoe life of God. It's the Greek word, Zoe life. Let's do another one here. Let's do, uh, yeah, here's the message translation. It says this, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I've come so they can have real and eternal life, eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Now, a lot of times the word uh, eternal life, the word eternal in itself uh, just means perpetual, ongoing. Um, a lot of times when you hear the words eternal life, uh, the first, your first thought goes to someday in the sweet by and by when I'm with the Lord, that's eternal life. And, uh, and that's a part of it. But eternal life, according to Jesus in John 17, uh, verse 3, he said, this is eternal life. He defines it. It's knowing the only true God 
and the one in whom he sent. So when you made Jesus Lord of your life, when you were introduced to Jesus and you came into the family of God is when eternal life began. That's good news. Amen. A lot of times, see, that's where the enemy comes and tries to convince you otherwise. That's why a lot of folks, a lot of Christians are saying, you know, I know it's so hard down here, but someday, someday when we get to heaven, and the whole time Jesus said the same life that's there you can have. That was part of the prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, praise God. And a lot of times we get convinced uh, by the enemy uh, to accept a low living or a low life. Come on, somebody. And what we do now we, as Christians, we're living a life no different than the world when all along we're called to an abundant life. So you ought to have a life that the world looks in and go, hey, how come that? How come that's working for you? Well, well, why do you have that? You say, hey, you want to you know how we can get that? It makes, it makes soul winning easy. Okay, that, that went over like a lead balloon. Let's try another one here. All right, what do we got here? This is the Passion Translation. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I like that, amen, more than you could even expect. I mean, God, you know, it says that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to something, according to the power that's at work within you. That word power, dunamis, which refers to uh, a, a, a power that, in other words, a to-be-possible power. In other words, what could you believe for? What's possible? What could you put your faith towards in God? What could you believe God could do? Well, he's even able to do beyond that. But it's got to get working in you. Okay, that's a whole other sermon. Let's see, do we have another one? New Living Translation, that's a good one. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, amen, and even, uh, even says in 1 John and uh, for the pur his purpose was to come and destroy the works of the devil, right? So here he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some may say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, so what we've been doing, talking about this life, that's where it really all started, this life that we're called to. But in order to walk in this kind of life, you're going to have to stand your ground when it comes time to your enemy. You've got to resist your enemy. The word says resist him steadfast in the faith. Submit to God, resist the devil, and what? He flees, praise God. But you got to resist. you got to do some resisting, okay? But a lot of folks, see, a lot of folks don't even know they have an enemy. They think it's their neighbor. Come on now. They think, they think it's their preacher. <laughs> well, sometimes it might be. But anyway, but most of the time it ain't. No, no, I'm not your problem. Come on now, and you're not my problem. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, you better not be his problem. <laughs> no, you're not my problem, right? And guess what? Your, your employer is not your problem. Okay, I'm going to go on more on you now. Your employee's not your problem. <laughs> now, wait a minute. 
Come on now. Now here's another one. See, see, your God is not your problem. Because that's the big one. Because a lot of times he gets blamed for everything. But he's not the one that comes to take life. He's the one that comes to give life, right? And so what happens is the enemy deceives us, manipulates and deceives and accuses all the things that we, we took a week. And we just kind of dove into all the different things the word says about your enemy and who he is and what he does. And he is a liar. He's a thief. He's a, a manipulator. He accuses. He does all these things. Why? To try to slither in and convince you to accept low living uh, you know, lower life living. Are you still with me? And pretty soon you accept it and you're rolling along and you think everybody else is the problem and the whole time he's standing in the background laughing at you while you kind of beat yourself up. Now look at your neighbor and say, that ain't going to happen no more. We're going to resist our enemy. Amen. So what we've done, we've been talking about keys of resistance. Jesus said, I, you know, I've received the keys. He paid the price. Amen. He came back, gave us keys. Amen. And saying, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Now, that's quite a review. But we're going now to Ephesians 6. Because last week, we spent some time in Ephesians 6. A couple weeks ago, talked a little bit about uh, the sword of the Spirit as the weapon, as a weapon. But I, I was instructed by the Lord uh, last week to go back to Ephesians 6, spend a little time with it. And so we got partway through this, but I'm just going to uh, read through it. Let's, let's do this, Kelly. Let's read through the whole text, and then I'll come back up, all right, and we'll kind of dive into this. Uh, so Ephesians 6. In fact, wasn't Ephesians 6 our verse, our chapter to read in Friday, right? Y'all been reading? See, what What timing. Come on now. Verse 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, not just a piece of it, but all of it, that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the plotting or scheming of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Just all different levels of demonic influence is all that is. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. He repeats himself. Why? That you may be able to withstand or resist, that word means, in the evil day or the day of pressure, uh, however you want to, uh, in fact, we might define that here a little later here. And having done all to stand, what do you do? You stand, therefore. You stay put. How? Girded with your waist, girded with truth. Amen. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. That just refers to the armor and then our weapon there, praise God. And of course, there's more said there in that text. And maybe when we get through part of this, we might even go a little further down in that text because of, of what, uh, what it's saying there. But let's go back up to verse 10 again real quick. We talked a little bit about this all last week. Uh, finally, my brother, be strong, be empowered, infused, all right, inspirited in the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. And let's talk about his lordship. Now, it's saying really what it is. Paul's saying the same thing that James said in James 4 by submit to God, resist the devil, and he flee. This is just Paul's way of saying it. Okay, so you, you yield to God, you submit yourself, you're strong, you're infused in Him, and strong is what it implies here, strong in the power 
of his might or his ability to accomplish anything. So I'm, I'm connecting with him. He's my Lord. He's my leader. He's the one that directs me. He's the one that empowers me. He's the one that strengthens me. He's the one, praise God, that makes it work. So he's not asking any of us to do any resisting without his help. That's why it said, first, submit to God, then resist the devil. Because it just makes it easier. Otherwise, you're chasing your tail half the time. Okay, so verse 11 now. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, the plotting and the scheming, manipulation, that word wiles, methodia. Okay, which we have the methods of, but it literally means a roadway, a pathway traveled frequently. Okay, so in other words, the enemy doesn't have any new tactics. He has the same old tactics he's always done since the garden. Are you hearing me? Since the fall of man, it's always been the same tactics. Okay, now according to 2 Corinthians, the word says we're not to be ignorant of his devices. The word devices means, literally means head trips, mental games. Now that's important because that's what he's talking about here. This whole thing about the armor is dealing with because of the mental games. That's kind of what we've been bringing up, okay? His whole tactic is to get you mentally. If he gets you convinced of something, he's got you. Gets you convinced it ain't working, he's got you. See what I'm saying? Somehow he manipulates, shuts you down mentally. Are you still with me? All right. A lot of the things that go on in our life happen as a result of our own doing because we mentally got whipped. Well, that's a whole other sermon, but that's a fact. And so you're not your enemy. I'll try this side. You're not your enemy. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. You're not your enemy. Now, he'll convince you sometimes of that, you know, but you're not, you're, you're not your enemy. We have one enemy. Now, that's why we put on the armor, right? Let's read verse 12 and 13. It says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, not against our neighbor, our, our employer, our God, uh, well, actually, I should say uh, our, each other or ourselves, all right? But we do have a fight. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Again, all levels of demonic influence, all of them are subject to the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what level we're dealing with. Are you still with me? See, some people say, well, that's a, that's a, that's a high devil and that's a low-level devil. Well, it doesn't matter if he's a low-level devil or a high-level devil. It doesn't matter. They're all devils and they're all subject to the name of Jesus. All right. Verse 13, thank you. Therefore, he repeats himself, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, you stand. Now, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. Okay, so how do you take up the whole armor of God? Are we talking about something physical here? So this, the armor is not physical. Now, most scholars believe that when Paul at the time of writing this was in prison and staring basically you know, out looking at, at uh, you know, infil- uh, infantry men out there that are all got all their garb on and, you know, going through the piece, just kind of seeing how it relates to things. 
and, uh, but we know he's not really dealing with physical armor. So how do you take up or how do you put on the whole armor of God if it's not physical? Well, we, you know, we, we, we might use the word, say, well, it's a spiritual thing. Well, it is spiritual, but, but how, how does it happen then? Well, faith's definitely a part of it, but just think about this, okay? So sometimes what happens is we're going along, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe spiritually speaking, we're going to say, yeah, put on the whole armor of God, but have you ever stopped to put it on? <laughs> now you're all like, well, I don't know. I'm afraid to say something because you're going to say, no, that's not it. No. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Well, maybe I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. But anyway, okay, so anyway, so how do you do it? Well, uh, earlier in the book, okay, let's um, um, put uh, chapter 4 and verse 23 and 24. I'll read this because the whole thing he's dealing with is not giving the enemy place. And really the the whole thing is about uh, the mental game. And that's how uh, he says, you know, we're not to walk like the, the Gentiles do. We're not to think and not to have the same kind of mindsets that the world does because that's how you become alienated from the life of God. So he says, don't give him place. But then he says this, and be renewed, renovated in the spirit of your mind, in the core, the center of your mind, your intellect, that word means, your understanding. Okay? Renovated, renewed. Um, Somehow you got to renew your mind. So a part of what goes on and how he works is somehow the Lord's trying to get something working in your mind while the enemy's trying to get something working in your mind. God says, listen, i got to get your mind engaged here. Okay, uh, put verse 24, and he goes on to say, and that you put on the new man. Put on the new man? What? Well, just prior to that, he said, take off the old man. What? You got to, you know, there's just a lot of this putting on, taking off stuff, right? Put on the armor, put on the new man. It even says in Romans 13, put on the armor of light. You're thinking, putting on, taking off. Put on the new man, which is what? Created according to God in the true, in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, after his image, one place says, after his image. So you got to put on something. Well, how do you do it? I mean, well, how, do you, how do you do all this? Well, you're going to have to get your mind renewed to it. So how does that happen? Well, earlier on in the, in the book, chapter 1, you know, one of uh, Paul's prayers toward, uh, uh, to, for us as, as believers, verse 18 brings this out, uh, 118, if you can put that up there for me, Kelly. He says this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now, remember, he wants you renewed in the spirit of your mind, the core, the center of your mind. Some scholars even think that's referring to like your subconscious. Okay, now here, Paul talks about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened or infused. Or in, literally, that word enlightened means almost like a picture. I think that's even photos is the word we get like photo and all that comes up from that word enlightened. So the eyes, how many know that your own understanding has eyes? Now, a lot of times, it's referred to as imagination. 
Now, a lot of people don't like to talk about the imagination, especially believers, because for so many years we kind of misused our imagination. Our imagination was used for probably not godly purposes. And so all of a sudden now you come into church and the preacher man says, use your imagination. You go, wait a minute. Is this a cult? You got red Kool-Aid in the back. What's the deal? Huh? What do you mean? Well, you have the eyes of your understanding. You've got to be enlightened. You're going to have to start seeing something different. So Spirit of God, really, to be honest, he, he told me to talk about for a minute um, how it works for me. Would that be okay? Do I bore you with my stories? I hope not. Um, but uh, when I first uh, come into these things and start to understand it, years ago, uh, there was a brother that named Larry Lee who ministered on a, a series uh, called um, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And it, it ministered to me. I was, in, I was young in the Lord. Uh, at that time, I, um, I, was, um, I was still working in the mill. Um, I think I was, at that time I was involved with, um, with some youth ministry at that time, but just as green as it gets. Didn't know a lot, <clears throat> but I started understanding the, the importance of prayer. And so began to just take time every day to spend literally focused prayer. Be focused. Praying in the Spirit, um, taking time to pray over ourselves, our family, our, our, our uh, church. Uh, just took the time to, did it, or to do that. And so the armor of God became kind of a, <clears throat> a key thing. And so I recognized that I have to put that armor on every day. Because I'm a target. That doesn't make me any better than anybody else. You're a target too. You just maybe didn't know it. And you're still pulling fiery arrows out of your self. <laughs> Not knowing that you can actually, amen, eliminate that mess. Amen. So I didn't know that at the time, and so I started coming into some understanding about it. And so what the Spirit of God began to do, the Spirit of God began to literally walk me through the armor, putting the armor on. So I took, you know, whatever time it took. It wasn't real long, but, but I just remember one by one taking each piece of armor, putting it on. Amen. And I, I was, I was a, a pacer. I don't know what you guys do, but a lot of times when I'm praying, I pace. Yeah, my wife says, yeah, yeah, I'm constantly. My camera people really love it. You know, but I, I pace, okay? I've always paced when I pray. Um, as I got older, uh, now my, my lazy boy, blue chair, is a good place to, to pray. <laughs> Don't quite do as much pacing, but, uh, but uh, it started. That's what I did. And I'd go into the garage, the place where we were living, and I would just be in the garage pacing and praying. And part of that prayer time was putting on the armor of God every day. And so... I would see myself putting on that piece because the more I learned about it, the more I recognized what each piece did. So I mentally began to renew my mind to what it meant to put on the whole armor of God because the enemy's coming to mess with your head. And every piece is there to protect you from all that mess that he's trying to, you know, the head trips and things that he does on you. Still with me? How many know he has no authority? Remember, Zoe life 
is about the absence of death, darkness, and the curse. Jesus paid a price, amen, to eliminate, you know, to help you, amen, and eliminate its power, death, darkness, and the curse. See, it no longer has power over you, but if you get manipulated, see, the only power now the enemy has over you is what you surrender to him. That's it. Now, he's good at his game. That's why you don't jump and try to play his game because he'll, he'll whip you every time. He's been doing it a few more years. That's why you do what God says, just put on the armor. Amen. You don't play his game, you just put on the armor, the armor of God. All right? So what were they? The belt of truth we talked about last week. We, I think we went through about three of them last week. So real quick, the belt of truth was, was not about the word, because even though it says that his word is truth, but it's talking about to be true. Literally means sincerity or integrity of character, realness, wholeness in the sense of being real, not facade, no more facade, no more hidden agendas, no more manipulation. Listen, listen, we don't play his game. See, it's hard to resist your enemy when you're holding hands with him. Okay? See, we, we're not manipulators. We don't have hidden agendas. We're not hypocrites. Come on, somebody. We're not, we're not playing facade. I don't have to convince anybody of anything. Come on, somebody. I just be who I'm called to be. Still with me? Listen, this helped. Because when I was, when I was uh, growing in this and trying to help others minister to others, I found myself sometimes, you know, you wanted to try to, you know, you wanted them all to think you're spiritual. And, and God says, why don't you just be you and not worry about it and just grow up? It's like, what a concept. Just actually get real with it. You know, right? I mean, actually let it work in you, right? And then all of a sudden everybody can see it, right? But you got to be real, but you got to put, it started with the belt of truth, being real. So you get real with yourself, you're real with God and before others, and just learn to be real. you got, you got nothing to worry about, just be real. Well, but, but if I'm real, they're all going to see that I'm not as spiritual as I should be. We already do see it. So it's just better to just grow in God, just purpose to be as real as you can. Amen. No facade, no hidden agenda. We're not playing games. Listen, the devil is the father of all lies. And if you're going to go play with lies, who are you holding hands with? See, it's hard to resist your enemy when you're playing the same game. So the belt of truth is key. So I, I saw myself putting on that belt. Saw myself purposing to live real, be real. Amen. When I screwed up in front of somebody and they all went, <gasps> I go, you know what? I shouldn't be doing that. You're right. I apologize. Will you forgive me? Without excuses. Try to sit here and try, well, you know. <laughs> now they all know. You just messed up. And I found that most people really are forgiving. And you might say, no, they're not. No, I have found that if you play and, and do the real thing, just be real, they're more apt to be more merciful to you. <clears throat> That's the truth. Just get sincere and real. And you'll find that most people can, can be okay with that. Come on, I'm not asking you to keep living dirty or keep living unclean. I'm just saying every now and then you might mess up or you might say something you shouldn't say or have an attitude you shouldn't have. 
Sometimes you just go, you know what? I got up on the wrong side of the bed today, and I shouldn't have. So I'm sorry about that. Sorry about my attitude. And they'll look at you going, huh? I remember the first time I went to my lead, lead uh, man at the, at the mill, and I says, you know what? I just want to apologize. And he goes, huh? Yeah, would you forgive me? He went, huh? For what? Well, I haven't been working real hard lately. You know, the word says that, uh, you know, that a lazy man's your brother with a destroyer. And uh, you get kind of lazy mentality at work. You know, everybody else kind of thinks that's the way it should be. And then you start doing it. And the Spirit of God dealt with me. And he said, he was acting like a lazy man. I went, I don't want to be that. Well, there's no integrity in that. I went, well, I don't want to be that. And I said, I remember when God dealt with me about it. And I went up and I apologized for being like everybody else. Come on, somebody. And I should have been working, working hard, and pouring my guts into it. And he looked at me like, ain't nobody ever done that to me before. Well, I ain't going to do it again because I'm changing, right? I mean, I don't like apologizing no more than you do. But I needed to because I put on the belt of truth. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is necessary to have the breastplate right after the belt of truth. Very necessary. Amen. Breastplate. Amen. Righteousness. Rightness. Rightness before God. Right standing before God. How many know that you are the righteousness of God? How many know that you're the righteousness of God? You already are. You don't have to try to be righteous. You already are. Why? Because Jesus paid a price for you. So a lot of times righteousness and holiness gets mixed up. Come on, holiness is about your conduct, how you live, but righteousness is who you are. You're in right standing with Jesus, right standing with the Father because of what Jesus did. There you go. Amen. That's just the facts, okay? Well, you put on that breastplate. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. You're an overcomer. You're a conqueror, praise God. Hallelujah. You're redeemed by the blood. You're forgiven, praise God. Hallelujah. You say, well, well you know, I, I, I've messed up way too many times. Well, well, jump in line. Who hasn't? So put on the breastplate because you're going to need it. Because about the time you get real with yourself, you're going to realize what a phony you've been. I, I'm trying to comb the whole audience while I'm saying things like that. <laughs> Somebody think, he looked right at me. I know he did. No, come on, we've all been there. We all want to be, you know. And uh, so sometimes, you know, you start getting real with yourself about your attitude, about how you've been doing. You know, you haven't been praying, you haven't been reading the Word, you and all that stuff. And see, what happens here comes that mental game, right? So not only is he trying to convince you to, you know, to, to play his game, now he comes at you and says, you hypocrite. You don't even read the Word. You don't even pray. But he comes a head trip. He starts messing with you. You know, he convinced you to do something. And as soon as you do it, he goes, oh, and you call yourself a Christian. That's a head game. So you got to put on the breastplate. It covers the vitals. It's important. Because you're in right standing based on what Jesus did. And the quicker you receive that, the quicker you walk free from all that other mess. If you're going to try to get perfect before you put on the breastplate, it ain't going to happen. So you got to put the breastplate on. 
because here comes the mental game. Here comes the head trip. Here comes all the manipulation trying to pull you under condemnation and guilt and shame and inferiority. And that's what he does. But if you put on the breastplate, amen, you can avoid a lot of that mess. So I began to say, you know what? I put my belt on, put on that breastplate. Praise God, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God right now based on what Jesus did. Hallelujah. I'm already accepted. I'm already forgiven. I'm already loved. I don't have to convince God to love me. I don't have to try to get God to accept me. I'm already accepted. That's when you can start saying, shut up, devil. I read the end of the book, and it says, you lost. Woo! Going down, sucker. Amen. You can't put that mess on me no more. Somebody says, well, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And that's when they go, see, remember the belt of truth. That's when they go, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. Jesus, thank you for the blood, hallelujah, that's been, the price that's been paid. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. Woo! Got it handled. There was, wait a minute, that's not fair. Oh, yes, it is. I got my breastplate on. Somebody says, now, wait a minute, you keep doing that kind of stuff, you're going to give everybody a license to sin. No, you've done a great job without a license for a lot of years. Come on, it's about time just put on the breastplate. Why? So you can avoid some of that mess. See, sometimes it's the shame, the guilt, and the condemnation that hits you that sucks you right back under that mess. Instead of just put on the breastplate. What was the next one? The feet shod, right? We talked about the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The word feet being shod refers to forward motion. The feet, the reason the feet shod is because you're about taking ground. It's about doing something. It's about purpose. It's about moving forward. Amen. Doing what you're called to do. And it said with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news, the message of peace. Greek word, Irene. The Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness, set at one again. It means, it means order in the place of chaos. So what you are called to do, you have purpose. And everywhere you go, you eliminate chaos. You bring in order. You bring in peace. You bring in wholeness. See, if the devil, but he'll convince you, say, well, you, you, how do you expect to help anybody? You, you, you so, you're so out of whack yourself, you can't help nobody. A lot of people go, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess I, I should just shut up. I guess I should just go sit down and wait till the Lord comes. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Take me from this mess. There's no way I can do anything. I'm so messed up and so confused and Well, there you're getting a lot done. We got a lot of the body of Christ doing that. Well, I'd love to be able to do that, but <laughs> look at my life. Well, uh, you want to fix that? Start doing what you're called to do, and you'll watch that stuff fall off pretty quick. And the world will help you do it. They will. You say, what? Oh, yeah, they jump on board. They help you. They let you know when you're doing it wrong. They'll say, hey, wait a minute. I thought you were a Christian. I am. Well, Christians don't talk that way, do they? Even though they do it all the time. But the, the Christians aren't supposed to talk like that, right? No, you're right, they're not. You know what? Thank you for noticing and bringing that to my attention. The belt of truth. 
thank you. And I shouldn't talk that way. I shouldn't act that way. I apologize for my attitude. I apologize for what I just did. You know what? You're right. I have no business doing that. And I got the breastplate on. I'm going, but I'm under the blood. (laughs) And I'm still moving forward. Got my feet shod. I mean, you literally got that. You could do the John Wayne thing. That was horrible. That was bad. Let's see if I can do it. I don't think I can do it. Nobody's that cool. I was thinking maybe a John Travolta thing, you know. I don't, that, that don't work either. Hallelujah. The point is, you're still moving forward. You still got something to say. You still got something to do. And when you're fulfilling purpose and you're bringing change and you're bringing wholeness and you're bringing healing and you're bringing order, praise God. Hey, we're doing something, praise God. Woo! Well, then we got a shield. Hmm. Above all. Taking the shield of faith. We've been doing a series on, at least my time with you on Wednesday nights, been just all through the year. The Spirit of God said, teach on faith. So we've been coming at it every week and talking about faith. But when he talks about the shield of faith, taking up, literally means to take up. All right? Not just, you know, he's talking about lifting this thing up. Okay? The shield of faith. And that when you look up the word shield, it literally means, you know, a large shield. Literally, it'll say this in a in concordance. It'll say, as big as a door. Just implying, we're talking about not some, you know, just little bitty round thing. Come on. But it's something that can cover you. Are you still with me? And it says it has a purpose. It quenches or extinguishes, that word means, all the fiery darts. Everybody say fiery darts. Arrows, uh, 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 you know, it's like um, la- or, or missiles. I think another word it might use even in a concordance. Uh, but just things that are fired at you, and it says fiery, or those that have been, uh, you know, set to, on fire. And literally, if you look at the word fiery, it literally brings out that it's been, it's been lit on fire with things like anger. And all these other emotions, the things that create these ill emotions. So these, there's, there's thoughts coming at you, trying to get you to take it, to, to, to grab the bait of it, and, and to, to pull you under something. But he says you got to lift up or take up that shield of faith. The word faith, again, pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, okay? And it just means uh, um, reliance, dependence, um, assurance, uh, trust, um, uh, words like um, confidence, Uh, conviction. All of these are synonyms for this word faith, okay? So he's saying, listen, the way he says this thing becomes like a shield, all right, that that you lift up, and what you're doing is I'm putting my confidence in God that no matter what's coming at me, I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. He's my source. He's my strength. He's the one I'm confident in. He's the one I'm assured of. He's the one where I hold my conviction in, praise God. So, you know, I'm seeing all this, you know, I'm walking as a young believer and I'm putting on belt and putting on a breastplate and, and I'm, I'm putting on, putting my shoes, getting them all, you know, put on. And all of a sudden now I'm, I'm picking up, I'm taking up that shield. 
Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the sword. And you can't really have the sword. Um, you know, the word talks about Jesus speaking or coming on a white horse, white charger. And he's, it says a sword, two-edged sword was going in and out of his mouth. And you know, that's kind of a weird picture. But at the same time, he's not talking about an actual metal sword going in and out of his mouth. He's talking about the two-edged sword, the Word of God. Amen. So the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the whole thing is that the way it works is it's got to be words coming out your mouth. A confession, we talked about that two weeks ago. Homos logia is the Greek word, which means same word or covenant acknowledgement. In other words, you talk the word. Now, Jesus was a great example of that when he was up in the Mount of uh, Temptation, being tempted, and the enemy would say, hey, if you really are the Son of God, you know, so here he is, he comes at attacking your identity. If you really are the Son of God, command these rocks to become bread. You know, if you really are the Son of God. Well, the enemy don't, I mean, you know, he's trying to manipulate, and Jesus didn't play that game. I mean, even in his lowest physically, his weakest physically at that moment, he didn't even jump in that. He just said, shut up, devil. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What did he do? He spoke the word. He quoted the word. He took a verse and he quoted it. Come on. The enemy came at him again. And he said, it is written. Quoted another verse. The enemy came at him again. He quoted another verse. It is written. And man, he just backed up the enemy just with the word. And the word said then that he, the enemy left waiting for another opportune moment, which he never got any until Jesus was ready to lay down his life. The word said literally he could, had nothing on him. He couldn't grab him. Couldn't do anything. Isn't that good? Yeah. Now, so I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing the shield of faith. I'm, and I'm seeing how this whole thing works. You know, you got your feet shod and the breastplate and the belt on and you're lifting up that. Here comes these, these thoughts, these things at you. You know, and the word says, you know, cast every thought down, cast those of vain imaginations, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. That's what you're doing every time you lift up that shield. You're taking authority over those words, those statements, those things coming, and then you're turning whoosh, with the word. Faith, whoosh, you know, gladiator stuff. Whoosh. And this is where it all comes in. So, I mean, I remember pacing in the garage, and I'm, I'm all got my stuff on, and got to get, starting to get a little heavier because you're getting all this stuff on. So, I mean, kind of getting into it, just walk. Yeah, man. Lifting. Here comes another thought. It is written. And he says, dude, you're really weird. Yeah, but I put it on. Put it on. So I know what it's for. Amen. So I mean, I'm I'm lifting, amen, my shield of faith. I mean, believing and trusting in God, no matter what's been said, no matter what's coming against me, what kind of thought is trying to hit me, what he's trying to nail me with, with some kind of maybe, uh, you know, just doubt or unbelief or uh, you know, those words that, that, are, that are kind of common in text in the word about that, that war against your faith. Things like unbelief, things like fear. 
right? God, right? Here comes that thought of fear and insecurity tries to hit you. You lift that shield, catch that one, and you go, God has not given me a spirit of fear. I'm redeemed. Somebody says, I get wore out. Yeah, you do. But it's worth it. So when he's hitting you out there at work, you don't run back home. <laughs> you can just right in front of everybody. It is written. <laughs> They're looking at you like. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what you do. You know what it's about. So you put that on. You know what it's all about. So here comes that doubt. Here comes all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, remember when Peter was, you know, they're all in the boat and there's the waves, everything's beaten, and, and Jesus is walking on water. <sighs> he sends them on, and a little later, you know, he goes to prayer, and then he comes on a little later, and the word says he was even going to walk by him. Yo, guys, what's up? <laughs> right? Everything wind, everything. <sighs> and they're all like, whoa, what's going on? Who's on the water? He goes, Settle down. It's me. Oh, oh. So Peter, you know, like usual, has to say something. Hey, if it's you, bid me to come. He says, what's Jesus going to do? No, no, stay in the boat, dude. What did he do? It's me. Come. That's all he said. Come. He gets out of the boat. The boy's walking on water. Woo! Until... Right? So all of a sudden, he gets his eyes off Jesus. He gets his eyes on the storm. Now, the storm hadn't changed any from that moment than what it was while they're in the boat. But that's what he's, all of a sudden, now he's focused on that. The word says he began to sink. He cried out to God. Jesus grabs him. Praise God. And I'm a firm believer. He brought him back up to the top. I just can't quite grasp seeing him being drugged through the water. You know what I mean? Now, I mean, if we get to heaven and it's a different story, then I apologize. It's just hard for me to grasp that one. I just think that he, as soon as he grabbed hold, he got refocused, got back up on top, walked back to the boat. Gets in the boat, and Jesus said this. He says, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And you think, oh, at least I walked on the water. Nobody else got out of the boat, but he still said, you, right? He's dealing with him. Now, you think about this, doubt, word doubt, dis, okay? The root word for, is doubt is dis, or two, twice, again is what it means. So what happened was, he's, he has a thought, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. Now, he didn't, he, he might not even have knew what he just asked. It just had, you know how sometimes you go, yeah, man, yeah, you say something, and you go, and then all of a sudden you realize when you're halfway through it, you go, what did I do? Right, right? I mean, it could have been. I don't know. But he, you know, he steps out of the boat. He goes, and then all of a sudden, he gets a second thought. See, that's how the enemy works. You're moving forward. Hey, ho, move him out. Let's go. Hey, whoop, whoop, come on now. Right? Second thought. All of a sudden, you're shut down. Wait, wait, you're walking on water. You're doing great things. You're taking ground. Yeah, but 
Insecurity will suck the life right out of you. Fear, right? Them second thoughts, now all of a sudden you're going, well, maybe this was stupid. Maybe I shouldn't have went forward in God. Maybe I should have let my wife do it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I'm really not called. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, I really can't do this. What's happening? Fiery darts. Ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Don't, don't take the second thought. You were doing good. Stay locked on. Keep the shield up. Amen. And you won't get hit with this mess. Are you still with me? So, you got your shield up. You're using your sword as a word, with the word of God. Amen. Taking your stand. We're talking about resisting him. We put on the whole armor of God. Why? That we may be able to resist. You got to do it or you may not be able. Does that make sense? So what was the last one we haven't talked about? Helmet. So the word helmet, in verse 17, I believe it is, is that right? The word helmet. Well, it means encirclement. Now you'd think, okay, duh. But it means, literally means the taking hold of the head, the seizing of the head. Now you just think, you know, just put a thing on or like you would a crown or a helmet, whatever you're putting it on, but it means literally to seize the head. Now this is all important, okay? <clears throat> the word salvation. A lot of times people say, well, the helmet of salvation is just know that you're saved. Well, that's, that's not really what it says there. The word salvation in the sense of being a born-again saved uh, is the Greek word soteria, okay? S-O-T-O-E-R-I-A, I believe it is. And it just means um, complete wholeness in the sense of healing, wholeness, preservation, protection. All that comes under that heading of, of salvation. So when you got born again, you got saved, which is the same sozo in the Greek, is the same sister word to soteria uh, in the word salvation, all happened when you got born again, all this, this whole redemption package you got to take home. Had all this stuff in it. It wasn't just, you know, you got born again. That was the, that was the, the initial part. That was important. But you got all these other things. You got all this other stuff that you got, all these other packages, so to speak, stuff of protection and health and wholeness. All that came under that heading. But this word salvation is the word soterion, not soteria. All right, soterion. Everybody say soterion. All right. Now, this word means defense, defender, to defend or preserve. Okay? So you're putting on a helmet, an encirclement. You're putting on this, this there's the seizing of the head for your protection. Now, whew, there's a reason I waited for this one last. Okay? So here you are. You're lifting up your shield, blocking, swinging, blocking, 
swinging. But if you leave the helmet off, you're sitting back behind your shield still beating yourself up. Wondering how long can I handle this? How long can I take this? How long will it, will it ever stop? Will it ever cease? Am I really just wasting my time? Is it really worth it? Why? How come? Well, that's why the Bible says, Set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. What are you doing? When everything in you wants to go, It's key because you could still be behind the shield and swinging, shield and swinging, shield and swinging and going, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> no man can take this much. Nobody deserves this. Why am I even doing all this? Those people don't care about me anyway. I just don't understand how come I'm wasting all my time doing it. Nobody else ever does anything. I just don't understand how come I'm the one that always has to. Why is it always on me? Somebody says, dude, seize the head, will you? Get a hold of yourself, right? See, you could be doing all, but see, if you don't put the whole armor on, and it could be because your head's in the wrong spot anyway, why it's taking so long. So you have to set your mind. On things above. Colossians 3 2 tells us, set your mind. Remember, the whole thing is a mental thing. The enemy is coming after your head, trying to mess with your head. That's why you put on the whole armor because he's trying. Listen, listen. No armor, you're dead. A tweak or a or a kink in the armor means an open door. So you put the whole armor on. And part of that is you learn to keep that head. When everything in you wants to go negative, you say, I refuse to go there. I set my mind on things above. Yeah. Romans 8 and verse 5 says that your whole life, you live your life according to where you set your mind. You want to live by the flesh because you set your mind on it. You live by the spirit, you set your mind on it. Still with me? I think it's Isaiah 26 says that uh, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is set on him. Why? Because you're trusting in him. Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. You're good. You're awesome. You're good. You're good all the time. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're my provider. Praise the Lord. Woo! He says, what are you doing? Keep my head right. Because it's real easy to get your head off. If you get your head off too long, come on, pretty soon your heart's off. And once the heart gets off, then your mouth's going to be off. Because it all works together. So your first thing, I keep your head right. Amen. Well, what do I think on? I mean, there's so many bad things going on. Well, the Word says... Meditate on that which is good and noble and just and lovely and perfect, of good report, praiseworthy. Oh, meditate on these things, and the peace of God whoa, will be with you. Praise God. Somebody says, well, where do you find all that stuff? Well, it's all higher stuff. Somebody says, well, 
We need good things. Well, let's see, right now you're focused on the bad. What could you get focused on? Because we could all make a list of bad. But you can also make a list of good. You can start setting your mind on good things. I set my mind on the fact that God, I'm still breathing. I'm six foot up instead of six foot down. I'm going to heaven. Woo! I ain't going to hell. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm a child of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. Never boring moment in Jesus. If you're bored, you're not doing it right. Are you with me? So you got to literally set your mind on things above. That's a, you got a purpose to do that. Because naturally, we always want to come down here. Set it up here. You keep that up there. Amen. Pretty soon you don't feel so wore out. You know, sometimes you wear yourself out. I mean, you get yourself so worked up. And, you know, I mean, just think about this. I mean, I mean, I could be driving in my truck. Happy God is good. Oh, yeah. And I go and drive by and see some billboard about some person I don't like. God, I hate that sucker. <laughs> I just got done. I mean, a matter of seconds, and I'm like off, off in la-la land, you know, down. Right? Anybody ever been there? My God provides. And then somebody says, God just did this for me. And you think, oh, my God, how come it never works for me? I've been praying that kind of same thing. Why it happened to me? <laughs> right? <sighs> I've been praying for healing. And then this guy comes in. He gets saved. And three days later, he's whole. And I'm going, what am I doing? God must love him more. No. Get your head right. Get your head right. My God heals. My God delivers. My God is still setting captives free. <sighs> and, you know, I think about the armor, and I might have mentioned this last week. I don't know. But, you know, the armor of God, I mean, it's got pecs and an ab. And, I mean, it's just like. <sighs> I mean, it's an eight-pack. I mean, you know, when you got the armor on, the enemy look at you. He doesn't know. Is that you? Is that God? Who's behind that armor? Armor of God. You got to put it on. But you leave your helmet off. He goes, ah, I know who you are. <laughs> I'm going to come get you. I'm going to school you today. And you're sitting there, you know, working yourself, doing all the, these things you're supposed to do. I remember, I remember early on in this, I remember when I learned this, and I was like, every day, an hour in tongues, and every day, praying the prayer, and praying this, and praying that, and praying this, and praying that, and then one day I got up late. And my whole day was ruined, because I had to miss out on a piece of my prayer time. And the whole time, the enemy's going, gotcha, you didn't have your helmet on. Boom, 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 boom. 
And you, it's like, it didn't matter whether I got up late, sucker. Let's go. Right? Resist him steadfast in the faith. Amen. But you know, if you leave one piece off, it's a kink. It's a, it's, it's somehow now it's an open door and the enemy is going to try his best to get in there. So this is part of your resistance. Put on the whole armor of God. Did you get something today? Yeah. Give the Lord a praise. Watch y'all stand up. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. What a good God we serve. Hallelujah. There we go. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the armor. Thank you for all the things we've been learning over the last few weeks and different ways to resist our enemy. Thank you for just bringing us aware and making us uh, aware to the fact that there is an enemy. And I thank you, Lord, he has no authority over us. He has no power over us. He has no hold on us. Because we're a people that resist. We're a people that submit ourselves to you and yield to you and surrender to you, and we resist our enemy. And Father, we give praise and glory for those here today for the things we've learned and things maybe we've gleaned today, maybe the things maybe answered some questions, maybe we got maybe a whole new perspective on what we have in you and who we are in you. And for that, I give you praise. Thank you, Lord God, for a people that put on the whole armor of God. We give you praise. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.